Commencing archive. Authorizing. Access granted. Accessing file. Say I'm a big fan of your art, big fan of your music. I have been for thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank uh, ever since I first saw these really cartoony, psychedelic-looking, twisty trees over like um, beautiful snowy mountain ranges, does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a bit of an older one from like 2012, but uh, yeah, that one was a kind of a slightly different style too. But it was. I felt that the style was characteristic of a psilocybin experience that I personally have. Oh yeah, um, cool. I was like, oh, he, he's been there. He's been where <laughs> I've been, you know what I mean? <laughs> nice, yeah, I get that a lot for sure with my art. I have noticed a like uh, a gradual progression in, in how you know, you're presenting these scenes. Um, so right. I'd love to get into like, how did you start painting? How old were you? Oh, I've been, I've been doing art since I was really young. I've gravitated towards it for sure. Um, all my childhood, teen years, I was always into art, art classes, things like that. The psychedelic art didn't really start to come in until around 2004 um, when I had some deep like awakening experiences with psychedelics that really guided me in the direction of like, all right, you're going to do this now. Um, yeah, and then it was just a natural unfolding to keep going with it ever since then. So how old were you when you started having these awakening experiences? Uh, I guess 22. Do you mind sharing like what this initial experience was for you and, and how it affected you? So I kind of dove into psychedelics when I was a teenager, like probably like grade nine. And it was more like what you'd call recreational, I guess. And so I had done experimented with just like mushrooms and LSD when I was a teenager. But it, it was just, uh, yeah, like like partying or it didn't really become intentional until I was around probably like later teens. But when I was 22, I specifically had an experience with Tool. <laughs> so it's funny you said Tool introduced you because mm -hmm. also my friend mm -hmm. was like, man, we need to specifically like do three hits of acid and listen to these Tool albums on repeat. And I was like, okay. And I was actually pretty new to Tool at the time. And we did that. And we had um, a couple sessions. I did, we, we had one and I we were just drawing this picture and I realized that like I was like all right well let's just put this big sheet of poster paper out and it just intuitionally came to me like I just put it out on the table with some markers and see what happens and so we put on these albums and uh, I think it was like undertow anima and lateralis and oh wow and then I what happened to me is I realized I was like drawing the sound and my mm -hmm. hand was moving sort of in this like um, automatic way. And I was just like drawing sound. It was just coming out through my arm and it was like squiggles, right. like anyone looking at it after is like, wow, that looks like a mess. But to us, mm -hmm. you know, we were seeing and he was drawing on another side and we would turn it. And it was just like 
and the most amazing like Escher picture you'd ever seen, right? Like every little thing became worlds within worlds and it just meant so much while we were doing it. And that mm -hmm. opened me up and in this way. And then I did a painting. Um, I had had, the, had this old canvas sitting around that I didn't like and I'm, I just decided, oh, I'm going to paint black over it. And then I decided to do a solo intentional session and I just I just had like one tab and put out some paints and I had this magazine of like cosmic imagery for some reason I was like oh cool I'm just gonna put this beside me <laughs> and mm -hmm. and then it just inspired this painting um that was uh, this sort of like I called it astral projection and there was this cosmic imagery of some dude sort of projecting into this tunnel and I had actually never really seen what I would call visionary art before or not nothing that I mm -hmm. could associate with visionary art. And I hadn't even actually seen the Lateralis album cover at that point. My friend oh, had wow. just brought over some like burned copies that we put in the CD player. And mm -hmm. the only thing I knew of psychedelic art before was sort of just like fractals and trippy things like that. Um, yeah, at, stuff in the head shop, you know? Yeah, yeah. At least that I would associate with that. I mean, I'm sure, sure. sure I'd seen other kinds of spiritual art. But anyway, so it was kind of a unique experience to me. And then this painting came out and it was like fl these fluorescent glowing colors. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, this whole new experience. And then um, it was shortly after that, that my friend showed me Alex Gray's website. And I was like, oh, my God, there's someone else who paints like this. Yeah. And and then he showed me the tool cover. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, this is incredible. Um, my mind was blown. And I was going to go on this trip to uh brazil to do ayahuasca with alex and a group of people and oh, wow. you know i applied i was in but i couldn't get my visa i was like one day short of being able to get my oh. visa and they were like oh i just might not work out this time and so i intuitionally um i had this insight that was like okay you're just gonna stay home and dose during the week that they're down in the amazon mm -hmm. and maybe you'll like i had known um, I had done other psychedelics like San Pedro and stuff, and I'd had I'd traveled to South America before this, and I didn't do ayahuasca because it just didn't come. I wasn't seeking it out, and it didn't come to me. But I ended up doing San Pedro down there anyway, and so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, you can. I heard you can like astral project and connect with people in these astral planes, and so I didn't tell my friend my intention as far as like, maybe we're going to connect with this group of people in the astral planes if we dose. <laughs> I just had that in my heart and mind. And mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, man, why don't you come over and we'll do another session? So he comes over, we dose, we get out some art tools, we're listening to tool. Right. And as we start to peak, um, we're noticing this jewel-like fabric that's on everything. We're having this simultaneous experience and describing it to each other. And then looking over at my painting, Astral Projection, that's on the wall of this cosmic tunnel. And as I'm breathing out, the tunnel's like flexing open, inviting us in. And then I felt this overwhelming sensation to sit down and close my eyes. And right when I did that, I felt this burst of my third eye. Like it was like a wow. muscle that had never been used, had just like opened up and um, then I left my body and was traveling through these electric fiery tunnels that were lined with eyeballs and each eyeball was like a portal to another place in the universe and I kind of felt at this point like I was being pulled through these places but it was very familiar and felt good I wasn't in fear or anything 
And then I notice that um, then then all of a sudden my eyes crack open a bit and I see these particles bouncing on the sound waves of the music and they're coming towards me and I feel them as like these spirits or consciousness of some sort. And then I notice that I'm actually kind of in this other room while I'm in my apartment room at the same time and I see a circle of people and then I'm kind of in a body of one of the people in this circle. Yep. And I'm like, wow, what, like, okay. And I, I kind of just had this knowing, this feeling like, oh my God, uh, I'm here, I'm in this room. It kind of had a wooden floor. It was like this yurt thing. I'm like, I guess it happened. I'm in Brazil where these people are oh doing ayahuasca. God. And I look at my hand and it looks like an Alex Gray painting. And uh, then I look up in the kind of in the middle of the circle and I see all these spirits flying around and I identify this one particle of light as my friend Castor that was with me on this journey. And, you know, so to kind of cut it a bit short, then I left my body and had these messages that came to me about what I was supposed mm -hmm. to do with art and that I was going to meet all these other artists that year like my art brothers and sisters and there was this sort of mission and funny enough a lot of that mm -hmm. came true exactly that year um amazing synchronicities just one after the other it was such a profound experience and you know so coming back into my body also mm -hmm. when i was sort of coming out of this cosmic space uh this uh, my eyes were starting to open again and i noticed this other light being and mm -hmm. it was sort of this column of light, but it was definitely keyed right into me. And we started having this psychic conversation and it actually showed me another version of me on another plane of existence asleep while I was having a human experience. And it was like, it's going to be OK, like we, we got this covered. And then I'm sitting there meditating on this experience. And I mm -hmm. also had this incredible, profound heart opening. Uh, kind of like at the beginning of the journey, I had this third eye opening. Well, this was like a next level heart opening where I could feel sort of like the morphic field of my heart encompassing the entire world in the most loving way. It is just wow. incredible. So beautiful. So beautiful. I can just feel the sensations in my heart right now just talking about it, actually. And that might be one of the most important parts of that journey is the sort of heart opening, the coherence actually with the third eye and the heart and that embrace and that connection to source energy in that way while flying through galaxies and meeting light beings is amazing in its own way. Mm -hmm. um, I like to remind myself of that deep heart opening and that coherence that happens yep. as a sort of more of an integration point of the human experience and how we're all connected through this universal love that is source energy wow and uh, then then sort of coming down from the trip me and my friends start talking and we are recounting this experience and we're like holy shit we had like this kind of same mm -hmm. experience except he had his from his perspective and he even had a moment where he was like yeah i was in this room and i was flying around in the air and i could mm -hmm. see you were in the in a body and i literally had this defining moment where i felt you and alex in this space together so it's kind of one of those weird trips where you have this synchronistic experience that you can't define any other way except that it happened and you both had your version of it yeah. 
And then things just started to unfold from there where um, I did, I actually went to one of Alex's workshop, um, kind of helped him with some of the, we stuck around and painted some of the like, you know, the, yeah. the primer paint, I remember on the first version of Cosm. And then shortly after that, I met all these other visionary artists back in Canada, right. some of the West Coast crew and things were just a snowball from there as far as getting into the whole visionary art scene. But that was that was a super defining experience. Mm -hmm. And I call that my awakening and I have a painting about it. And it was uh, so profound, you know, that you just can't you can't look back from something like that. Right. Isn't that incredible that these chemicals are able to carry us through that most profound experience that previous to having yeah. it, you do not think is possible? You straight up like people could tell you. Yeah. And you would be like, no way. Like there's a little there's like a zero percent chance sure. that that is possible. And then, and then it happens to you and you're transformed. And, and it's like, OK, well, th there's a whole new dimension to my mind now that I <laughs> and and then not only that but you feel connected to the other people mm -hmm. who are tapped into that mm -hmm. dimension of mind as well and that's why maybe the visionary art community and the psychedelic community and the visionary music community which is something I like to to help cultivate um it is so uh, interconnected and people are just so like understanding that we're on this path of awakening mm -hmm. it's a spiritual path to to create portals for other people, not unlike the portal that invited you in, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I see paintings and paintings specifically like yours as um, more than just like this, like, you know, it's such a surface level to look at a painting to at least at this point in my life and just think, oh, like they just like to draw, you know, whatever. And like now I see it as a a world you mm -hmm. can literally enter similar to that you, you said like there was a, a, a painting of a portal on the wall mm -hmm. and you were able to go through it right yeah. is that what you said yeah more or less like you know we closed our eyes and sort of the portal opened within but as mm -hmm. we were standing in the room it was like you know it was like watching it extend into space but it is like that and it was right. a de it was a defining moment where you know I hadn't told my friend again about my intention like we had just put out another piece of paper and this time we had like some watercolors and some some markers and stuff when we were painting, but I hadn't told him that, you know, that Alex and the group were doing ayahuasca that week and that maybe we were going to connect astrally with them. And right. so that kind of thing blows my mind. And the fact that we had a joint experience of that happening, like you can't scientifically prove it, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you both ex but you know you, it's true like you experienced it and it's like you know and then you find out people have all kinds of similar experiences um right. of of those like sort of synchronized journeys but also like traveling through the universal mind lattice type thing and that is sort of when things become uh like portals yeah whether it's the music or the imagery um and there's like a you know it's sort of like a uh, kind of lacking for a word here, but sort of like a time stamp where yes. it's like people can have their own experience of what you've offered, but also they can tap into your experience sometimes because it's part of the collective experience. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. When I started to understand these states of consciousness for the first time, it was so easy to see 
where all the mystical writings came from from the past. Right. Even even things that I don't necessarily identify with, like you know the Bible or Christianity or um, what's the one uh, the Vedas. Mm. You know these types of things. Like I, I don't follow any particular religion. I just consider myself a spiritual person, um, and I look for the best in every religion mm. um, and, <laughs> and stuff to pull from to pull from and interconnect all the religions to the primary mystical experience. But it's so weird to think about um, spirituality and religion prior to these experiences, because there's a point when you just say, oh, so you just have to believe it? Like, even though you have no proof, mm-hmm. you've never seen anything about it, you're just supposed to believe it <laughs> yeah. because someone told you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, when you have these experiences under your belt, you say, oh, all that stuff is possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not that necessarily like maybe the, the Red Sea was parted, like actually, mm-hmm. but that is some spiritual visionary metaphor for an experience a group of people had. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or something of the sort. I started to see the mysticality in everyday life and able to see art in a new way, able to see clothing in a new way. Mm. Like when... Uh, LSD or um, any psychedelic starts to hit you. It's so funny that the tiny details you're able to pick up on. Like, I was able to see like every fabric <laughs> interwoven in my pants, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, maybe a machine <laughs> made these pants, but at some point, people were straight up making these mm-hmm. as a form of art. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we wear this. It was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And like, I could see every fiber. It's a, it's its own individual piece of material. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like sort of worlds within worlds. I've had a lot of those mm-hmm. experiences where there was another one where me and this guy and we had some two ladies over and we did. This was another session. And I remember right when things kicked in. I This was a funny moment because you're a Tool fan. So I was like, mm-hmm. we put on Undertow and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure on like Disgustipated. That's when we're going to like it, we're, we're going to peak or like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the LSD is going to kick in. And it totally did. <laughs> like as yep. soon as that like click came on at the beginning of that song, you know, those gears are turning or whatever the sound is. We're all yep. of a sudden looking at each other like, whoa, and I had this pen in my hand and I brought it down to the paper and it was like this brush pen, like an ink pen, but it ink pen but it had a brush at the end and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden as it's touching the paper I can zoom in and see like the droplets coming out of the tip of it onto the paper and as each droplet of ink is on the paper it's reflecting us our whole group in it but then there was also an entire world within it and it's so Mm. mind-boggling like when those things happen where you can see multiple worlds at once it's like this kind of god vision that you just Mm -hmm. can't have in normal everyday life and there's no way to like really quantify it you know you can't but you have it and tons of people have those experiences like looking at the fibers on your clothes and like all of a sudden they turn into the fractals of the universe or something like that and i i I love that kind of thing because it is oh yeah it takes kind of a like you know a faith to continually sort of believe in and remind yourself that everything are these interconnected fractals upon fractals of interconnected interwoven geometries that are all one in this weird way that's hard to describe but then in then with psychedelics you kind of get a chance to see it and feel it and without that it's a bit Mm -hmm. you're sort of a bit in the dark about that kind of thing yeah and it's so much more special 
to see things as worlds within worlds and the fractal universe and be able to um, know because you saw it, you know, like mm-hmm. it's weird. It's like because pre seeing it, it's all hearsay and you're kind of like, I don't understand what all these people are saying, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, you, yeah. You, you just don't have the hardware for it, you know, but once you have seen it mm-hmm. and that's essentially what a seer is. And that's why I think this is called visionary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's, I think, where these terms come from is for all of time, people have had access to these experiences and they've been kind of made taboo. Uh, they've been pushed underground. They've been um, secret and only mm-hmm. for a select few people. And nowadays with the Internet, with technology and information at an all time high, more and more and more people are unlocking mm-hmm. and um, awakening. And it's not like, you know, it's going to happen to you guaranteed. You need to be a particular person in a particular set and setting. I don't think anyone can just drop acid For and sure. have that experience you had. I think that a, a lot of years prior to that were gearing you up, preparing you. Yeah, for sure. I think everything uh, you just said there, like, you know, as far as like leading into psychedelics too, you know, I'd, I had been for years, a handful of years previous, um, reading different, I guess you could call it spiritual information, whether it was Carlos Castaneda, the Celestian Prophecy, um, things along those lines. Mutant Message Down Under was an awesome book that opened me up to a lot of things. Um, and uh, and like synchronicity too, understanding about synchronicity. This the Celestian Prophecy was a book that opened me up to that. And I really, I really started using it in my day to day life and being like, what is this? Like, how can I follow up on eye contact and just being brave to like, approach strangers and be like, hey, we made eye contact in this funny way. Like, maybe we have a message for each other. Like, I would just do that <laughs> around this college campus I was on. And it was awesome. It just led to, and, and we wouldn't even necessarily become friends or anything. We would just share little messages mm-hmm. and be like, whoa, just have these little keys for each other and then be on our way. Um, so things like that, like building into psychedelics and then having these deep experiences. It's, so it's like your mind and spirit and body are already changing gears in this way. And I hear what you mean as far as like some people don't have these like, you know, some people I've heard of people doing like 30 mm-hmm. doses of acid and just still still being able sure. to be at a party like they might be like not very mobile, but they've they were they were there and they were still, you know, doing stuff. Whereas for me, yeah, it's like the most mm-hmm. I've ever done is five. And that was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. But <laughs> it had a lot in it. But even with three and then even now, like I can microdose. And sometimes if I'm in the right set and setting and and that includes my body and mind state, I can all of a sudden go kind of astral, like if I allow myself to. So it's sort of just becoming used to these frequencies. And and really, like it's kind of has a lot to do with your intention, you know, aligning your frequency with it. And, you know, uh, my awakening experience kind of showed me that what we understand, you know, in subsequent experiences after is that I think space and time travel has a lot more to do with um, like dimensions and leaving our bodies than it does creating physical like rocket ships to go to other planets and things like that. Um, Because a lot of the methods we're using are obviously very destructive and oppressive and they just have these these things to them that are disconnected from this 
to me, they appear and seem disconnected to sort of the fractal nature that is connected, that that is everything. Um, obviously, they are everything, too. So they have their own piece of the puzzle. But sometimes I think it's this weird thing of showing us it's part of our evolution, you know, it's kind of like what's going on in the world right now. You can look at it in all these different ways. And to me, I see that there's this big awakening happening. And it is like a psychedelic journey where, you know, sometimes even on a microdose, you can all of a sudden be like, oh, man, I'm, you're, you're having to evaluate, you know, parts about yourself. And you're like, oh, I thought I was just going to have like a fun day creating art and doing whatever. But all of a sudden it's like, no, no, I yep. have to go in. And I think there has to be a willingness to go in too. you know, like you're the type of person and apparently I am. And there's people that mm -hmm. are that want to look at the shadow, so to speak, and like go go in and look at what work needs to be done and then be able to integrate that work. Whereas I think if you're going to do like 10 or 30 hits of acid and go party, you might not be you not might not be changing your frequency to do right. that work so right. yeah you and know. you're not in a quiet enough place you know like if there's a party going on and all this stuff happening around you that's that's needing you to be aware you know mm -hmm. um versus that you know very uh um you know sacred space and you can hold for yourself or your friends you know even if it's just a few people everyone can be on the same page as far as what we're doing here we're, we're doing inner work we're we're going to do some some traveling we're going to check in we're mm -hmm. going to drop in we're going to learn we're going to integrate and we're going to communicate um these things that come up because if you do all those things you become a better version of yourself. You mm -hmm. become closer to that higher self that mm -hmm. that you get a glimpse of on these things, and 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 as well with meditate like deep meditation and mm -hmm. uh, all the other spiritual practices that are there that they show you a like a height that you can achieve with enough work, with enough mm -hmm. self uh, self work, uh, work uh, creative work, um, and then yep. just yeah integration work because you know you can have the vision. But if you don't do anything with the vision, uh, it might fade over time. The fact that you, someone like you, you're in, you're distilling these visions into paintings, into music. You're able to mm. create a archive of experiences mm. and uh, invite others into uh, your experiences and as well help mm. them have their own. The fact that visionary art is out there and exists it it's almost like a um it's almost like proof or something that mm -hmm. <laughs> totally that, that, that the thing that you that you've seen too other people see and, totally and helps you not feel maybe so alone in in these experiences you know and, mm -hmm. and does build community Absolutely. I love that you just said that because I think of that often and I'm developing a presentation for just that kind of thing because people always argue like sign people that are more like science minded argue with me about things as far as like, well, you need peer reviewed studies to prove that that's true or whatever. And if you can't mm -hmm. quantify it, it's not true and that whole argument. And I'm like, well, you know, we've got a shit ton of visionary art out there and music and all kinds of things like that and poetry and written word and all these things about these experiences that mm -hmm. science can't measure in any other way. Yet we have this extraordinary, vast, like you said, archive 
of these portals, of these creative portals and these experiences that show that these things are real and so many people have these experiences connected to these other realms beyond our physical construct. So it's to me absolutely proof. And I love that. I love, you know, telling stories and and the details even of my awakening sometimes I'm like oh maybe it's a bit embarrassing but really my higher self is like no no you just have to keep sharing these because you're leaving seeds for other people's awakening to so that they don't feel crazy you know right um and and who's to say what's what's what like what's more crazy than anything else it just seems to us in our experience that like you said what we're what's happening to us is leading us to be better people so we want to leave things behind as i love that you say archive like we want to leave these things behind that point to point to ways that made us feel better and made us treat the world better and made us treat other people better and things along those lines so but it is a product of Mm -hmm. the experiences that you've had and you're able to share and show that there is value to be earned in through going through these because mm-hmm. um you know if you're just someone who trips all the time and doesn't do anything like people it's going to be hard for people to look at that like a um like an actual you know like responsible thing hmm. whereas you know when you're able to produce stuff um from these experiences and it's beautiful the way that your work is and your music mm, is thank you. it's like whoa like Hmm, maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I should try creating stuff from my experiences mm-hmm. instead of just having them, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's a big, you know, part of, of what I love to back and support and, and help get out there to the world is um, people who do that, you know? Because for mm-hmm. me, those were guiding lights and, and mm-hmm. signposts to, um, to doing more and more inner work to the point that I'm at, you know, at this moment. And I still have much further to go. But mm-hmm. it is uh, it's it's a, such a beautiful thing that's happening that to the, to the human race during this time when we really need it, when the earth is screaming, help me mm-hmm. and no one's listening. Mm-hmm. Now, the visionaries can point the way through their art, through their music. And I think that's going to go further than some peer reviewed <laughs> paper. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have seen your art, have heard your music have been affected and and know that they're not alone in their explorations of consciousness. And I think that is such a powerful thing. Um, And there Mm -hmm. are communities surrounding that. So I'd love to jump in to these communities that are very much informed uh, or at least seemingly informed by these experiences. So I understand that you've spent some time with Cosm and you've spent some time with Dom and her. Mm-hmm. And um, what are your kind of takeaways from these uh, communities that their central focus is almost that that visionary experience? Can I can I tie that in in another way? Because as you were mm-hmm. talking there, um, what I felt like is what I've been seeing a lot lately is um, so you're talking about like these products that come from these experiences mm-hmm. and what's also happening to us as a as a collective right now and what happens on the psychedelic experience we were talking about integration of your new levels of awareness and that how that also has to come into a 
a place of being, like how you are to other people mm -hmm. and and yourself and monitoring that because you can, there's all kinds of people that could create really beautiful epic art and music, but they actually still might be assholes. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, I, I do see this happening where you can also get totally sucked into that part of yourself and the fame demon can kind of take a hold and you can override the lessons you've learned as far as the integration of awareness and all of a sudden be like, I'm this important person and I'm going to tell other people mm -hmm. about ways of being. But what we're seeing in the world right now and lately is that there's all these gurus, like whether they're yoga gurus, um, a different types of leaders, there's all kinds of politicians, science people, you name it. But especially like just recently, there's been different yoga, yoga gurus. There's like Bikram yoga, yeah. um, Yogi Bhajan. I just heard um, yesterday about Yogi Bhajan. I was so shocked because <laughs> I've been in numerous Kundalini classes. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. And, and, and things along those lines where you're like, oh my God, like these people that are these spiritual leaders are actually like assholes and mm -hmm. like they might be pedophiles or just like womanizers, things like, like that or rapists and things like that. And so it's not necessarily always the product too. Um, it's not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it's sort of a reminder that I think part of the big awakening is that we're you know, because you're talking about community and there's all kinds right. of people that join communities, but I see what can happen. And I, I guess pointing to Dom and her is that people can get attached to dogma and ideas and things that actually take them out of their continual evolution because you sort of get strapped to certain ideas or especially with leaders in the case of mm -hmm. leaders like Dom and her, their leader, in my opinion, was kind of a jerk. Like I was there, mm -hmm. uh, for three months and he um, was dying while I was there. He died two weeks before I left oh, wow. and he wasn't that old. And every Thursday they had these meetings, these community meetings, and we would put these headsets on where they would translate the Italian into English. And he wasn't a nice person to them as he was dying. He was like, you guys aren't getting it. Um, I came here from 600 years. In, like Their whole myth is that he came from 600 years in the future to try and save humanity from a destructive timeline. And he was literally saying to them, he's like, you guys aren't getting it. You're moving too slow. Um, so I'm out of here. Basically, I got cancer or whatever. He wasn't clear about what happened to him, but it looked pretty obvious that he had cancer and he was withering away or something like that. And, right. And um, yeah, he's like, I'm checking out. You guys basically dropped the ball and so I'm out of here and you know and you have these other leaders and so even when we look to leaders of the world with this whole COVID crisis is there there's so much insane corruption it's like the higher up you go the more like the more greedy and psychopathic people get and then when you talk about peer-reviewed science and stuff it's like well we can easily look at peer-reviewed science and see how corrupt it can become mm -hmm. and so what's happening is i think we're finding you know uh, there's there's so much confusion right now about statistics and like people are waking up to all kinds of you could say conspiracy theories and things are just all over the place so 
what's happening is I think people are trying to find their individual power and we're coming back into ourselves because we've lost touch. We've given, we've given away so much power. And I think this has happened over thousands of years is that there's been these groups of people that have realized how to take control of populations and people. And it's largely been through religion. And in the past hundred years, it sort of stepped outside of religion into more of commercialization, but the commercialization became the religion Mm -hmm. through like pop culture and, things like that. Right. And people have just given away so much power to authority figures. So whether it's, you know, in in uh, groups and cults and society. And so we're coming back into our own power. And I feel like that's a really I'm just right. really excited about thinking about that right now. 100 percent. So I, in some of yeah. these communities, the figurehead is able to detract from the actual experience of going inward yourself. So mm-hmm. what would you say is a ideal community, you know, like? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, as far as my experience at Cosm, I haven't been there for long periods of time. Like after, uh, when in 2004, when I went to the workshop and, you know, I was helping there for a little bit, um, painting the painting the primer on the original gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then it was like, years later, I guess it was four years ago, I went there and did some visuals for Yaima at the newer version of Cosm. I mean, I think Alex and Allison are such wonderful people. And I think that they're, <clears throat> my experience of them is that they are actually really great examples of leadership and um, community building. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very, you know, very kind people. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're so focused on coming from the heart and you know and and creating art from the heart and that's something that people have a heart you can't deny what those frequencies do to people and even in science you know there's all these like the heart math institute and things that are learning now that it's almost more our heart is doing more of the thinking or you can move more of the thinking into your heart frequencies Mm -hmm. um and so yeah like that community seems like a really great place to me i i was only there for a couple days so mm-hmm. I don't know how it really operates on a long-term basis. Right. Um, but they're, to me, really great examples of kind, sweet people that are trying to embrace uh, a collective, a collective like creative community that isn't based on super strict dogma. Right. Um, and then as far as like other communities and what would be ideal, I think that that's something to just always keep in mind is just not getting too attached to dogma and leadership in these ways that disables people from having their individual experiences and journeys. So we're constantly navigating how how do people have their own awakenings and how do they come to their understandings of life through their through their own version of lessons that are going to be different from the persons before Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and and ultimately i think a big part of it to me has to do with our connection to the earth i think you know the more we connect with nature the more it sort of humbles us to to this where where we are um and what we need to do to connect to this place because mm-hmm. we need the earth to survive. It's where we get all our sustenance from. So if we're just right. constantly disconnecting from it, it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering, and just on a you know a problem solving slash solutions um, tinge here, like you know, it's clear that people crave community. They want people around them that understand them that accept them, that know where they've been, what they're going through, where they want to go. Mm-hmm. 
But once a central figure in communities becomes almost idolized, um, this like power thing starts happening, this like um, they kind of get out of control, maybe their ego blows up, they want to be looked at a certain way, like a god or like a, you know, like a a more than human, we'll just say. Um, And then it all goes downhill. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other people who are on the spiritual path who will just go in isolation. You know, mm-hmm. let's talk like Tibetan monks, you know, Buddhist monks, um, certain yogis that will just venture out into the wilderness and be alone until they find mm-hmm. their journey, um, mm-hmm. until they find themselves. So mm-hmm. where is like the middle ground? It's like, what would you think is like the ideal situation, at least in, in your perspective? Yeah, ideal's a funny word. I don't I don't know. And I'm also trying to figure it out. And I think that's just what's happening as a humanity right now. And I do think that there's a constant navigation of what the middle ground is, but it also might be that there's there just really is no ideal for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's also what we're seeing like uh, let let I guess for myself, I feel like I I love the community where I live and um, you know, I feel like with these big power plays that are happening right now in this world crisis with these sort of authoritarian crackdowns and, you know, these these people that have wanted to push through these sort of like one world government type things for years, they've been saying we want to do this and we want to track everyone and we want to make a digital cashless society and we're going to microchip everyone and all that kind of crazy shit. It's like, well, you know, how many people actually want that? And there's obviously a lot of people that don't. So how do we actually pull away from that and find our own power in our own communities and start building new resilient communities that care for each other and the earth? Mm -hmm. And I think it just takes understanding where you are. I mean, I guess, you know, you could travel somewhere. Um, but well, not right now. <laughs> yeah. And and that might even be really limited in the near future, too. Um, you know, they're mm-hmm. talking about these immunity passports and all that. So it's like really part of what's happening. Like, yeah, we're in isolation. We're going through this stage and you can use it for this time of reflection, um, like you're saying. But eventually when we we come out of this, it, it is like an integration after a psychedelic journey. And it's like, well, what did you learn? And what did you what do you want to do? Like if if you saw this darkness happening of this authoritarian police state, that's sort of like the dark shadow of your psychedelic journey. And so how do you want to transform that? And I think it really is up to us to be creative and find ways of connecting with our especially most immediate community, yeah. because you know, it's like even your neighbors, even your mm-hmm. neighbors, like mm-hmm. I'm walking we right away when this was happened, we were walking, checking over to our like older neighbors and some of our other neighbors and, and because that's where you are. And, you know, what I've noticed too, in the festival culture, that's a whole other sort of, I could call it sort of like culty type thing on its own, mm-hmm. where I think the fame demon runs rampant and people have been sort of taken over by the whole pop culture thing the partying stay young forever and party forever kind of thing and people uh, like wanting to be famous it does weird things to you where you basically aggressively will ruin your relationships with people that are actually close and important in your life in order Mm -hmm. to 
become famous and successful. Mm. So how do we integrate with our most immediate communities knowing that's where you are in the world and how do you build resiliency that's connected to your community and the earth and so i mean i think a lot of it to me again has to do with gardening mm -hmm. um you know i have a big garden here and it's a super big gardening community actually where i live oh, and awesome. i think that's sort of a starting point for people is although that's sort of in your own space um you can like we have a local Facebook group for the, you know, the Roberts Creek Sunshine mm -hmm. Coast farm and garden community and you can talk there. And um, so those are ways of connecting with people that don't you know, you don't see a lot of arguments happening. It's sort of just sharing of positive information on resiliency. Right. Um, and then there's things like, you know, possibly creating your own currency or mm -hmm. whatever. You know, Dom and her did try to do that. Um, well, I guess they technically did do it. Mm -hmm. um, but then, of course, they had to integrate with the euro because they have all these people coming in and out. But yeah, I think as far as ideal, it's tricky. And we're figuring that out because right. we've been so you know, programmed in this system and so sort of addicted to the system that we're in. Um, and it's sort of like we're looking at these, you know, these political figures and leaders as parents. It's like a it's like a Stockholm syndrome, this like corrupted relationship where we know we're being abused by them, but we still need their support. Mm -hmm. And so in a in an abusive traumatic relationship you have to find a way to step out of it and find your own power again and that's right. you know finding uh, often it's through a type of spirituality um and 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 connecting with other like-minded people and communities so it's just a step-by-step -step process of really becoming aware of what you want and working towards it step by step one foot in front of the other all right i don't have a whole place for a big garden i'm going to plant a few pots on my deck or just some things in my house or mm -hmm. maybe i'm going to start a painting or some music or you know right. having yeah. tea with my neighbors i don't know <laughs> absolutely i i think that's a really interesting um thing to do during especially a time like this but mm -hmm. if you have a garden you have something to do. You mm -hmm. have a garden to tend to. You have a community of people you might catch out also tending the garden. Mm -hmm. Then a conversation happens. Then value happens. That's what you're doing. It's not just this kind of twiddling your thumbs with, you know, like uh, plugged into the, the matrix chair that is Uber drop offs. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what's it? What's the other eating thing that they lift or not lift um what's it called that there's another thing they i don't know i don't have any of that shit where i live so. well see that's what i'm saying is it's probably <laughs> a good thing because um it lends itself to just this over consumer yeah. lifestyle instead of totally. actually producing you're producing plants you're producing vegetables you're producing fruits you're producing community and conversations mm -hmm. and um also opportunities to get out in the sun get some vitamin d that's going to boost your immune system you know what mm -hmm. i mean so all these people locked away in their houses afraid to go outside lowering their immune system um, i just think that's a really beautiful way to fill your time and also mm -hmm. live a good life and live a life closer to nature mm -hmm. is to have a garden so i mean this is a this is a solid push for me to mm. really consider something like that and as far as like community goes I think that there might be just the right size of community. I think what happens is, mm. this is just my speculation, I don't know mm -hmm. for sure, but 
I think what happens is once there becomes a certain size of community, um, other people want to get involved just because they see the size mm-hmm. uh, and they say, oh, something must be going on here. I must be missing out on something. But they, they, they may not even resonate with that community. They're just kind of mm-hmm. like latching on to this popular thing that happens. And then when, you know, droves and droves of people are showing up and the guy's kind of getting an ego about it um, because everyone, you know, wants to listen to him and see him and hear him and uh, hmm. hear him speak and, and all of this type of stuff. Um, that's when those, it's a slippery slope once you get to that place as a human, because I think there's a certain size. I think you should keep it small and intimate and, and, and kind of know when to say no about new people showing up. And, and it's weird. Cause you're like, well, you want to be accepting, but like at the same time, if it gets too big, that's to the group's own detriment. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. It's, that's a really fascinating one. And I know when they started Dom and her, um, that they were trying to keep it, I think it was like around 250 people, like their mm-hmm. leader Falco had an idea that communities above that start size start to sort of disintegrate and mm-hmm. become corrupt, but they kept expanding. And I, I mean, I don't know at what point his <laughs> like my perception of him is that he he was some kind of psychic being he was tuned into psychic energy and he was a a spiritual being and i think almost from the get-go he realized he could manipulate people like when i hear of the story and i talk to some of the original members um and you know that happened in the 70s with other cults where they were like you know implants from the cia to experiment with groups of people like jonestown and things like that and Mm. you know where you know and his tactics even like falco from dominher his tactics some of their community tactics are military based and mm, okay. how they how they form these trauma bonds between the new people and the elders and things like that. It's really fascinating. And so part of me is like, oh, did he come from like a military background or what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of kind of um, tangenting, but where it's just, man, I'm so fascinated with where we're at right now because it's such a what a critical time. Like, it's funny when you say the words matrix. Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of a potential spiral. So I don't know if you want to yeah, keep no, talking. Let's keep going, baby. Okay, because I'm super fascinated by this. And it's sort of like, you know, what some people consider darker. But it's like the, jour- the, the journey is partly seeing the shadow. So I think what's happening right now and the way I experience it, and I know lots of other people do too, is that we're sort of looking at what could be the early stages of the Matrix, like in the movie. Like mm-hmm. we have all these technologies where, you know, we're, there's going to be more VR. There's going to be more ways to just plug into the system and stay in your home. Like, you know, it's like, it's almost like they're prepping us. Just stay in your home. The nature is dangerous. You know, like going outside is apparently dangerous. Um, touching touching money and other people are dangerous. Like, it's like this program where nature is so scary and things are scary and stay inside and we'll deliver everything to you with robots. Right. Um, and, and just plug into VR and augmented reality and all these things and we'll totally take care of you. And then you have things like Elon Musk's like Neuralink, like, no, no, like he's like, I'm afraid of AI intelligence taking over. So how would I build a system that attaches to your brain that's also connected to my AI Starlink system? Mm-hmm. Like, wait a second, what? You want <laughs> us to connect our brains to basically Skynet, you know, from Terminator? It's like, what the right. f- Sorry, man, I'm out on that. Like, like, 
like in a like you know in a like Star Trekky kind of way. It could be mm-hmm. cool, but uh, I don't I don't like it, and yeah, it feels really disconnected from Not nature. And, and and they even have like what is it? Someone is just reading to me. There's this apparently you know I haven't looked up the patent, but Microsoft has this patent where they they have like something you can put on your body that monitors your body movements and. It basically takes your body's like heat signature and things and gives you um, digital currency based on like what you're doing. So it's kind of like this social credit system thing that like (laughs) your own activities mine cryptocurrency for you. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And it's also based on apparently like what advertisements you're looking at, like what websites are you looking at? So it's this total program, which to me is like, oh my God, that's like, isn't that kind of how people got drawn into the matrix is this whole AI reality. (laughs) And so I feel like there is this, this wave of this red and blue pill thing happening where we're almost making a choice. It's like, well, which way do you want to go? And I don't want to totally look at it in black and white terms because I feel like technology offers us so many great things. But I feel like we are really kind of having to evaluate like where you where we want to go with it because I don't want to be stuck in my home just having robots deliver things and plugged into VR for the rest of my life that just does not feel good to me I'd I'd Mm -hmm. rather be dead I don't fear death in the same way like that that seems scarier to me than just dying from a virus or something you know like (laughs) and maybe that's why the the psychedelics you know the plants are infiltrating you know our consciousness mm-hmm. and showing us what is actually important totally. because it's where we come from mm-hmm. you know like they're trying to they're trying to show us at least in in my experiences <laughs> what you are and where you came from and mm-hmm. what you are and where you came from is a world of plants mm-hmm. <laughs> this is their world like you're you're the visitor in the plants mm-hmm. world you know what i mean it's not the humans world and the plants are ours it's the mm-hmm. reverse. Mm-hmm. We're the plants. Mm-hmm. So you know, in the in the way that you know, you know, you have a parent that tells you what to do. The plants are the parent of humanity. They mm-hmm. tell you what to do. If you listen, if you open yourself to hear the message, and I think the message from psychedelics are peace, kindness, love. You know, mm-hmm. if you're tuning into the right frequencies of them, and you're doing the work being asked of you by them. Um, that is the message. And this other thing, the matrix thing, is consumerism just taken to its like most extreme. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, consume, consume, consume. Don't live in the world. Mm-hmm. Just be in the matrix. Be in the VR. Be in the Netflix. Mm-hmm. Be in the game. Like, mm-hmm. it's way better than the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the world is what we are and, and where we came from. And what we're designed to be in. So it's interesting to think that, hmm, is this evolution carrying us into technology and it's a natural process and we're we're just destined to be these fucking like cybernetic, you know, like and like androids or or whatever mm. it is. I, I you know, like that's a whole topic. Or mm. is it to just exist and be, right? Mm-hmm. Just to yeah. be what you are. Just be. And and what you are is you're an animal amongst trees. Mm-hmm. And there are things that make this animal happy. There are things that can also detract from that animal's life. If you do do those things, have moderation, have balance in your life. You know, also Mm -hmm. get out in the sun and put your feet in the grass. You know, don't just Mm -hmm. 
all day, every day at the computer. And, you know, I'm talking to myself a little bit here and having <laughs> self-realizations here at the same time because mm -hmm. I have been very wired in. Hmm. Um, in fact, you know, part of my way of, of transmuting all this internal inside time has mm -hmm. been, hey, let's really get shit done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but that is, you know, in its own thing, a, a, a pushing towards something that's other than being. So there's just, there's mm -hmm. a balance, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think about all that? Totally, man. I mean, I obviously am also in front of my computer a lot, so I could easily sound like a hypocrite. Like I, I am totally striving for balance in those regards um, because, yeah, it's like my dedication to the creative process. I'm, I love it. I, I, I can yeah. love my what uh, abilities my computer offers me to be able to create music and things Same. and and. And, you know, leaving these archives. So you have this Jan archive and, you know, that is what you're offering. Um, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. And it's, you know, part of our evolution is the communication, you know. So you're leaving these seeds of communication. So whether it's through these podcasts, you know, you have your website to support these artistic offerings, which is so great, man. I love that you do that. Thank you. And it's, it's important because it's sort of like, well, it's like the tool song schism, you know, it's like celebrating our communication and having these pieces come back together. Like we know the pieces fit and we're in this stage of seeing how they fit together. And maybe technology, you know, like comes to a place where like right now it seems to be a, a lot of it seems to be guided by greed. And so there's all this planned obsolescence and things like that. And these factories that are, you know, have basically slave labor, you know, it's like you have mm -hmm. this supposed philanthropist, Bill Gates, you know, funding the World Health Organization and saying like, I care about everyone in the world. But it's like, well, yeah, did you care about all the factories that were making stuff for your products or whatever? Not really, probably not. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't know, you know, I'm just saying this is sort of an interesting example to think like it seems like the yeah it's coming from a place of greed so if we collectively come to more of a place of from the heart and how are things contributing to our resilience and connection to the earth maybe whole new types of technology will develop that are actually sort of more integrated with our biology but in a like or maybe not even our personal biology but just like uh, sort of like a more biological way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of far out there. But I, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I don't know, like part of me thinks like it's like you said, we're animals in the forest. And there's, I don't know if you've ever read the Ringing Cedars series. Mm -mm. Um, you have? No, I have not. No. Okay. They're, <laughs> they're pretty far out there. I've read like a few of them. There's this character, Anastasia, and she comes from this ancient culture in Russia where they were just these humans that lived in the forest. And she says to this guy, like, Our ult your ultimate technology is your imagination and your DNA connects you to source energy. And through your DNA and your imagination, you can, you can have any possible experience and live it as real. And you don't need to create anything in this world in order to have your survival you just need to it's sort of like a very very like 
fluffy sort of Garden of Eden type view of like, we are meant to be here coexisting with nature and and your imagination is what you have your other experiences through. But, you know, she has animals that like bring her food and help care for her baby and things like that. It's very wow. like super idyllic. Yeah. But, you know, and she says that, you know, her ancient culture, like they would sing things into reality if they wanted to have like a collective experience. They had these songs that would like sing things into reality which I think super beautiful. And, you know, you can use it as this vision to connect with nature. It's just, yeah, it's, it's really, it's hard to say. And I think it's, I think you're on the track of just recognizing the balance of like, okay, I have this, you know, I'm supporting, I'm doing all these things through the computer to support the communication. Cause you obviously have that gift and you're, mm-hmm. it's coming from your heart, you know, to want to build these bridges of communication to support your community that you're building. You know, you Mm -hmm. are building community, you know? So you're taking the steps to build community for what you see as a better world. And that's how it starts. And that's where I think the momentum we use to keep going forward and just being able to have moments that recognize our shadow self that is giving into these shadow desires and addictions and Mm -hmm. and step out of them just one step at a time just it's it's you know just keep correcting those things when you recognize them because it's easy to get sucked back in well you're someone who has produced a lot of uh of content you know like made a lot of paintings made a lot of albums Mm. um, done a lot of stuff it's clear you're used to getting out of your own way because i think that that's what the creative act is in a a little bit is it's not necessarily you making this thing. It's something channeled through you when you allow and accept. And, and, it, mm. and there's there's varying degrees of it. It's like there is certainly technical skill also happening. But as far as that creative force um, that's able to flow through you, I feel like it takes a certain state of mind um, for, for that to occur. Mm. So how do you personally... You know, and, and, and we're speaking to other creators right now that maybe are having a writer's block or maybe just can't pick up the brush right now. Like, how do you, you know, create space for the creative act? What things do you say no to? What things do you hmm. make sure that you have a routine around? Yeah, that that is important, I think. And uh, for me, it's things like meditation. Um and, and I flow through different types of meditation um, where sometimes I feel like if I'm sort of bored or stagnant with one, you know, if it becomes too much of a routine. But I am I am often drawn to like Vipassana meditation, just sitting meditation. Basically, I've gone to a few Vipassanas and I like that sort of starting my day often with that, even if it's mm-hmm. like 15, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, sometimes I listen to audio meditations. Um uh, I've been loving the Wim Hof breath actually every oh, morning. Me too. Yeah, we've been me and my lady have been doing it, and uh, it's great. Um, cold yeah. showers. Um, we've we've been getting into these qigong videos recently before we go to bed, which oh, I'm finding super gentle and grounding because they're this like awesome flowy reconnective thing that's not like it's not like yoga or working out. It's like this thing that really tunes you into your body mm-hmm. and grounds you, and it's like very intentional. Um, so things like that. And of course, just going into nature. So again, like gardening and then just going for walks, going for bike rides, just being in nature is they're just super important things to reconnect and to that energy and inspire. And 
and they are important. Um, mm -hmm. So, and then when it comes to things like, you know, psychedelics, sure. Like I've uh, the past handful of years been liking microdosing from time to time. It tends to sometimes reset me, mm -hmm. um, sparks new creativity um, and and focus. Um, you know, plant medicines like cannabis. I I've been going through breaks of well trying to have breaks too because it can also become a crutch for yeah. sure like i've i've had ex periods where i'm not usually like a day smoker but i often like smoke a bit at night mm -hmm. and then if that goes on for months where like every single night even if it's just like a toke or something i'm like i recognize oh, okay this is this is a thing like this is a yeah. crutch you're doing yeah. it every night like sure you eat food every day but you know it's being able to recognize that so yeah so yeah, like it's just finding activities that reconnect you with your your spirit and your heart and recenter and calm and finding I think finding those places of silence, mm -hmm. you know, where your where your creative mind, you're not listening to a podcast, you're not listening to anything, you're just like in a space of silence where whatever, like maybe you'll have a bunch of chaotic thoughts, but it also gives space for inspirational thoughts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. So, so more or less, you know, you're saying like grounding activities, things bringing you back into the present moment uh, mm -hmm. are, are daily, a daily thing for you. And mm -hmm. then that kind of helps you show up in that mind frame to go ahead and create and use your ability to, you know, to the best of your ability. For sure. Love yeah. that. Love yeah, that. Yeah. Super cool. Well, just as a fan of your art, um, I also have a question about it because I, I noticed a number of pictures and I noticed a number of paintings that that have very specific uh, scenes going on. And I sometimes wonder, you know, was this a scene that you kind of snapshotted in a, in a, mm. in a journey of yours and you're trying to kind of <laughs> recreate that exact scene or or are you just kind of, oh, I like this color. Oh, I, I like the way that I drew this tree. Like, how does it work for you? Are you creating from memory or are mm -hmm. you kind of improvising on the spot or is it a combination of both? Yeah, it's a combination. There's some paintings that are specific experiences. Like when I was describing my awakening experience at the beginning, that painting I have of that was like a, you know, very much trying to capture that is there a name Energy. on that? I'd love to look at it right now. Yeah, it's called My Awakening. Um, I don't know if you go to my website and type in in the search bar My Awakening and it'd probably come up. Um, and but it's, you know, it's an older one and my skills were also lacking at that point. But uh, it just it's it's more abstract. But that's what I was experiencing. It was sort of this more abstract realm of pure energy. Uh, and then a lot of my forest experiences are a combination of a real experience and then going with the creativity of the moment and so i am often trying to capture like these these metaphysical layers and these metaphysical types of energy that mm -hmm. to me in psychedelic experiences appear as these like interconnected geometric patterns that flow from one object to the next and they're sort of the same pattern like it's like the part part of a tree that flows into the ground it's like the patterns the same but when it flows into each other it kind of changes just subtly mm -hmm. and it's to me it's like i'm kind of seeing the like coding of the you know yep. the this other layer of reality essentially yeah. and the higher um, dimension I, i'm looking at um <laughs> metagrove right now hmm. and all these little um 
geometries or symbols that are kind of like you know hexagons or no octagons i should say um hexagons oh it's hexagons okay (laughs) and and then also like the light shining down with this kind of information encoded in it i've seen these things on psychedelics Mm -hmm. and they're there and i feel like they're what holds space for the material world there's an ethereal world that is in between everything and that's how Mm. that's like you know allison gray talks about god as a force not Mm. like a personality Mm -hmm. you know not like Mm -hmm. some dude who can who has thoughts and is like oh i want humans to worship (laughs) me you know totally instead it's a force of technology beyond our comprehension it puts us in awe and wonder and we have looked to it for as long as humanity has been around for uh, the next mm-hmm. steps or, or how to find content, uh, a, a contentness within ourselves and, mm-hmm. and understand why we're here on earth. Cause you know, a lot of times we don't know, like, especially before an awakening, um, mm-hmm. we, we don't know why are we here again? You know, to play <laughs> video games, you know, <laughs> but um, this is absolutely incredible work. And I, I feel like, yeah, it is um, tapping into that higher dimension of, of order that oddly holds space for all the, the maybe disorder, uh, but also just the material plane, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It sort of, it pulls it together in this, and it recognizes a symbiotic relationship of everything. And one thing I love, like Paul Stamets, you know, Paul Stamets, the mushroom guy? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So in the film Fantastic Fungi that came out, which I highly recommend to people, he has this speech at the end where he's talking about his vision of us coming from mushrooms and coming from mycelium and how it's one of the oldest consciousnesses on earth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mycelium is sort of like the underground internet of the plants and things. It connects, it has symbiotic relationships with its own self and then sends information between the roots of the trees and plants and even trees share these different all 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 kinds of things in nature have these symbiotic relationships and we're a part of that and so i think it's sort of recognizing how interconnected everything is Mm-hmm. And like what what levels of consciousness, you know, like like how is the how does the earth speak to us? Like if trees can speak to each other at a distance when there's they're being, you know, chomped on by a giraffe, yeah. you know, and they can send a signal to a trees like way further away mm-hmm. and and apparently call these like bitter ants to climb up the tree uh, so that. <laughs> that when the giraffes go to that tree, it doesn't eat the leaves because the bitter ants are there. Or something's along those lines. And there's all kinds of plants that do that to Mm -hmm. repel insects and things. And it's like, well, what? Wait a second. What is the earth saying to us right now? Or how are we? What happened to our psychic relationship to the earth and all things? You know, Mm -hmm. like, where did that go? And how can we cultivate that to understand our symbiotic relationship? And I think it is like these other layers of reality. And that's a big part of what I'm trying to show are there's these other layers that we don't normally see in, in, in our everyday waking reality that are that are there. And again, it's sort of proof because so many people like yourself and so many people come to me and say, oh, my God, that's like almost exactly what I saw or that is exactly what I saw like that's how I interpret it at least you know so it's this language 
And, and again, that comes back to building community. So we as the mycelium, like we're communicating to each other right now. Again, like how you're doing with your platform is like we are building community and it's like these finding these ways of communication. So we're communicating this beauty and these ways of reconnection. And, you know, that's where it's at. We're, mm -hmm. we're just we're, we're, we're remembering this, these other layers of intelligence that we have that are inherent in our DNA. And it's like our birthright to be connected to this sort of higher form of intelligence that you might call God or the Earth's consciousness or whatever mm -hmm. um, that is seems very apparently within us to yes. reconnect to. Yes, and it, and it calls us. And I think the, the signature of its calling is beauty. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> you, you show up on you know with the right set and setting and, and and with the right plant you'll see you know the the most gorgeous beautiful thing you had no idea you could ever see to the point that literally after that happened to me i, I would mm. return to that place every like every day it was like mm. i had to go back and and, mm -hmm. and, I, and i'm not mm -hmm. saying at all that i had to take psychedelics and go mm -hmm. i'm saying I, I did take a psychedelic and i saw this beautiful place Mm -hmm. um, and then for days after, with such reverence for the sacredness of what I had witnessed, mm -hmm. I would go back to the spot like it was like, you know, like a like some type of energy field mm -hmm. um, or even even like a holy site. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and mm -hmm. I would just look at the same thing I was seeing mm -hmm. the days before, but without psychedelics, but tapping into that higher dimension of beauty. And honestly, mm. that is so much better for your brain <laughs> mm. than just TV all day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that's and that appreciation for nature that I think comes when, when people talk about, oh, I appreciate nature so much more after psychedelics. It's because they're able to see that a little bit more of that higher dimension as to what's going on out there. Totally, man. And it's like, I think like when you said your brain, I also continually recognize that it's my entire body. And I'm trying to find like the Wim Hof breath is really reconnecting me and Qigong, like these subtle things are reconnecting me to the aliveness of all the cells in my body and how there is this fully interconnected network of entire like aliveness in my entire body. So mm -hmm. like pulling that energy all through my body and reconnecting. And, you know, it's even in ex like psychedelic experiences for me visually can also have like extreme horror, like extreme horror can appear. And actually almost every deep psychedelic journey I have, there's this period of intense darkness and purgatory. But what I find is that it always is a reminder that I have a choice to pull myself out of that. And, and when I experience purgatory, sometimes it's like this total just observing, but then sometimes I'm in it and I recognize that my thoughts are a part of it. And so it's this choice to move towards the beauty. So I like that you said that that's sort of a recognize of a calling towards that reconnection of where you want to come to. And it's usually, it's usually a frequency that resonates with the heart, I find. Like literally you can feel it coming out of your heart mm -hmm. or the center of your, you know, that sort of. Yeah. energy center of your body and it extending into your cells and then that energy field just goes out into the world right and uh yeah i agree and i think i think it might be a worthy uh note to say that i think a lot of people don't know what people mean when they say come from the heart our typical ego wants to protect us it, it tends to think oh this might be dangerous like this person coming at me i don't know them they're a stranger i'm yeah. having thoughts about uh, I shouldn't look at them in the eyes. Uh, I should definitely not not 
say hello to them. You know, like it's like just this kind of like weird paranoid state that society is in versus a, a more open culture like a festival culture, which is why people like that hmm. because everyone's smiling and looking you directly in the face and hey, I don't even know you, but you're my family. You know, it's like um, I guess what I'm saying is they're coming from the heart in that moment because that judgment is turned off. And it's hard to shut thoughts off. That's why meditation and psychedelics and all these things we're talking about are so helpful in helping people see these deeper um, ways to view reality and to come from the heart. Is one. Well, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just excited about where you're going. No, no. Yeah, for it's sure. Just, it's just, it's just like, like it's it's yeah. It's like it's like what I would say is feeling mm-hmm. and emotion. Feeling. Yeah. Is like is like not blocking out our emotion and not getting stuck in that visionary state. Not just the third eye visualization. Is that actual feeling state? Mm-hmm. And uh, my lady Jane, I think she coined the term one time, is like feel you alize instead of visualize. Um, you know, feel yeah. how your future reality looks and what that actually feels like and things along those lines. So I think you're talking about emotion and feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, is as sort of opposed to thinking. And then when you can combine the two, then you're like, you know, it's it's really about that harmonious state of being where you're com- combining, you're, you're finding coherence between your your heart and your mind and, and the greater reality. Right, right. Yeah. Totally. After certain yoga practices, I feel like I can actually feel this magnetic field emanating from the heart. <laughs> and yeah. that is what I think the ancient, you know, yoga uh, teachers and people who brought this practice to the world would say is a chakra, you know, to us, it's maybe it's a morphic field, we can look at it more scientifically, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's an electromagnetic field that just surrounds our body the same way it surrounds, you know, like the birds that fly in those crazy formations that, you know, like Mm -hmm. seemingly are impossible, you know, but Mm -hmm. like, yet it's happening in nature with animals that aren't over there thinking they're just feeling that field mm-hmm, they're just totally flowing through that field um mm-hmm. so that's part of what i was <laughs> saying earlier about being an animal is that you know like yes we have the potential to think on these higher levels and and, and do science and use microscopes and telescopes and try and understand the deepest parts of reality I don't think you ever will, personally. I think it's just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then there's going to be a quantum times 10 as a point. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, when are you just going to accept that it's infinite (laughs) and that it's fractal and Mm -hmm. move on and spend your time doing other things? I don't know. Personally, (laughs) that's uh, my angle. Well, yeah, and exploring that depth too, yeah. mm -hmm, Exploring it with without such a kind of deterministic viewpoint because they're Mm. like, I'm determined to be the Nobel Prize winner to, to prove that there's 14 microscopic things you'll never see around another microscopic thing mm-hmm. you'll never see. So, you so know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's yeah. cool. No, you know, like kudos to people. I mean, I know science helps. I know medicine <laughs> helps. For me, it's so much more interesting to be lost in the infinity and and in the wonder. You know, it, it makes me yeah. feel better. Yeah, I, I think it's I think we're combining them. I think it's that, you know, again, that thing about like religion and in, in many years past had such a hold over people's imaginations. And then science came in and became the new religion. And now it's so dogmatic, but it's falling apart right now. And that's why you have so many people like for those that have been researching deep on this. Um, 
you've seen scientists, so many scientists, um, you know, Nobel laureate scientists disagreeing with other Nobel laureate scientists about how a virus even works, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like what even is a virus and things along those lines. And there's and because we're talking about micro all these things that are actually really difficult to measure and they think they have pinned down. Mm -hmm. But obviously, if there's all these like experts disagreeing, it kind of just shows that, you know, and we know with quantum physics, too, that your observations affect your experiment, your science experiment. Right. So you can see what you want to see. And that goes with any information. Right. You know, you can go on the Internet now and go down a rabbit hole and prove any point more or less. You know, you can find something to back up your perspective. So we have all these reality tunnels and. So we're just merging them again. I think it's this re-merging of science and spirituality that's happening. And we're just in this sort of dark night of the soul about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just, it's really intense. Yeah. No, it's, it's intense, but it is a, an amazing time to be alive. I'll say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you so much, Simon, man. This has yeah, been yeah, super you. cool. And yeah. Uh, where can people find your work and, and, and also uh, your music? Yeah. So if you go to artbysimon.com. That's my website. My name is Simon Hyduke, so you can go to simonhyduke.com or artbysimon.com. Um, and then my Facebook and Instagram are at Simon Hyduke Art. Love it. And for your music? Yeah, it's all on my website. Okay, great. So you have two projects, right? You're a solo producer, but also you're in a band, Heofon. Yeah, yeah, my band, Heofon. Uh, so yeah, if you go to heofon.com, that's H-E-O-F-O-N. But I also have that on my website under the music tab. So it's all there, right. all my ambient music and my other projects. And I have some new stuff coming soon and all my art and animations. And it's all there on my website. Wonderful. Yeah. And I just want to give you, you know, um, mega props on your music, man. Oh, because, thanks. Uh, yeah, both the band and the ambient projects I've listened to just endless times and Man, oh. you're really hitting the spot. You're really oh. doing some awesome stuff. Thanks so much, Matt, and props to you for all that you're doing. It's so incredible how many people you're supporting through your platform there. It's just incredible. I love it. I love you sharing. It's great, man. You're connecting. You're doing the community connection, you know, and you're not... I can tell you're like a humble person that's not trying to be this f fame demony guru person you're just like i want to connect people i'm gonna share like what an amazing place to come from like sharing art that's something i love doing on my facebook and instagram too it's like sharing is caring you know like let's share and support each other so you're doing a great job there so thanks so thank much you. thank you simon wonderful chat yeah um that is simon hyduke everyone go find his stuff find his work buy some paintings listen to music support the art um, thanks for being with us today, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again in the future.